What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Scratch Agency Podcast, hosted by Scratch Agents for Scratch Agents. My name is Stephen Turnbull, founder of T5 Insurance Services in Utica, New York, and I'm joined by my co-host, Mr. Sean Fitzgerald, founder of LAF Advisors in Long Island, New York. We're going to get right into it today. We're really excited for this show, and we have Ryan Reynolds on the show today, and Ryan is the president of Grimes Insurance. Ryan, welcome to the show. How are you, sir? Hey, I'm great. Thanks, guys, for having me. I'm excited. We are we appreciate you taking the time and uh and, you know i gotta just start by saying i love what you and daniel are doing with the podcast it's uh it's super fun and uh really appreciate you jumping on and i think what you guys are doing is great so i just wanted to say that before i forgot it hey i appreciate that we're uh it's a labor of love but it's it's fun and we're having a great time and and uh opportunity for us to give back to an industry that's given so much to us so appreciate you guys doing this one too yeah, for sure. So let's uh, learn about Ryan. Let's learn learn about the, the early days, uh, why insurance, how insurance, and then we can work our way into where we're at today. Yeah. So uh, uh, insurance, I started with State Farm uh, in 2002. So that's been uh, tw- almost 23 years. Oh my gosh, that uh, that ages me. Uh, so started with State Farm. Uh, I was still a student in college and I was recruited to start in their claims department. Uh, so worked in homeowner claims and uh, knew early on I wanted to be a an I was an entrepreneur and uh, I'd already done some real estate investing and things like that while I was working in the claims department but knew pretty early on I wanted to be or thought I wanted to be a State Farm agent and so worked that whole process to go through that as anybody that knows that's gone through that before knows uh, they kind of put you through the ringer uh, especially if you come from the employee side so did that uh, and just continue to work my way up. Uh, different opportunities within State Farm, became an agent. I was a State Farm agent in Cleveland, Texas, which is a suburb of Houston, and uh, did that and then went back to State Farm on the management side to try to teach agents how to achieve the level of success uh, that we we were fortunate to uh, to achieve there as an agent. Uh, did that for several more years. And then uh, in, in about 2017 uh, or so, I started to really get um, – tired of the of the opportunity that was uh I felt like the opportunity wasn't any longer exactly what it was described to me as uh, it didn't feel entrepreneurial uh fortunately on the side uh to fuel that entrepreneurial spirit that I've got uh did a bunch of real estate investing and and built up a sizable portfolio and uh so I had I had some leverage so to speak and uh and so I was on the verge of going back to being a State Farm agent again because the corporate side just was not for me. I couldn't do it, and uh, for lots of different reasons that we can get into if you want to. But um, long story short, tried to become a State Farm agent again, and the numbers just didn't work for me. I couldn't make it work. Uh, and so I started looking for other opportunities um, that uh, were similar in nature. I love the the passive, or excuse me, the uh, residual income that's associated with being an insurance uh, producer and an agency owner. Uh, so I started uh, looking at other opportunities, Allstate, Farmers, and so on and so forth. Got really close on a farmer's agency, to, or excuse me, an Allstate agency to buying an Allstate agency, and, and uh, hindsight, glad that uh, uh, that that didn't work out. And then literally, guys started cold calling independent agents in my town. So I live in Lubbock, Texas, population about 300,000 people. Started cold calling independent agency owners to ask if they were interested in bringing on a partner or uh, selling. And after, as you might imagine, uh, a lot of no's and no thank yous, uh, I came across one. And it happened to be 
uh, the largest at the time, the largest independent insurance agency. So I was a little intimidated uh, calling him. But uh, the former owner of Grimes Insurance, Mariana Grimes, is who I had on the phone. And she uh, she said, well, we're actually in the process of doing that, but kind of pushed me off a little bit because they were talking to large conglomerates that uh, that wanted to take them uh, and, and purchase them. So fast forward, uh, we closed uh, closed in purchasing uh, Grimes Insurance January of 2019. So it's been about four and a half years, uh, and it's been a fantastic ride. Wow, is all yeah, I have to, to say. Get into I, that, that's a story I have not heard yet. <laughs> you know, a lot, a lot of the stories sound, you know, they they all kind of connect and sound similar, right? Yeah, but yeah. That one was that one was way different. So you cold called independent agencies, and I mean, basically just pitched them on, "Hey, you're looking for a partner? You're looking to merge together?" Wow. Yeah, yeah. Wow, so I, I just, give you a lot of credit for that. Uh, I just called them and said, "Hey, here's who I am. I would really appreciate if you keep this under wraps because I'd lose my job if." Anybody found out yeah. I was making this call, uh, but here's who I am. Here's my experience uh, in a nutshell, and I'd I'd like to see if you're interested in having a conversation. And and of course, a lot of them said no, not interested. It's family owned, yada yada yada. Um, and then uh, actually, nope. two invited me in. One didn't work out. I'm glad that didn't work out. Uh, it was more of a substandard kind of um, uh, independent agency, auto focused. Uh, and then uh, this one, Ryan, it just ballpark it how many calls did you have to make um probably probably 75 to 100 somewhere in that neighborhood that's really not bad yeah yeah there's uh, there's probably now there's probably 200 independent agents uh but i had done some research and on my own and and factored in okay who who are the ones i don't want to work with the substandard ones who um you know who are the financial service firms i don't want to I don't mind being involved in financial services, but I don't want a financial service firm. Uh, there were some gotcha. other ones, farm and ranch, uh, and I don't, I don't know much about farming and ranching, so that didn't seem like it was a great fit. So when I whittled it all down, it's probably seventy-five, maybe a hundred at the most. Gotcha. So when you when you become a part of Grimes, what what was the first couple of years like? Like how did you how did you become a leader of that team? What did those first couple of years look like? So I give a ton of credit to Mariana Grimes, who uh, is the daughter of the founder. So Grimes Insurance was founded seventy. This October will be seventy-five years ago, uh, and Mariana had has been running it or had been running it with a minority partner for the last, uh, you know, I'm guessing here, but somewhere in the neighborhood of thirty years. And uh, um, so the the situation was Mariana did not want to retire. But her partner, the minority partner, needed to retire for some medical reasons. Uh, So Mariana uh, came to me and basically said in the course of our conversations and negotiations that, hey, uh, Sharon, my partner, needs to retire. I don't want to retire, but I don't want to own anything, and I don't want to manage anyone. I just want to take care of clients. And she had been basically a a glorified producer for for most of her career. That's what she loved. She loves selling, and she takes – amazing care of people. She just loves people. And so the deal we struck was, uh, I bought them out, uh, bought a hundred percent of the company, uh, and kept Mariana on as a, as a 1099 employee. Uh, and she, uh, early on, she was still kind of involved in the, in the day to day, uh, stuff, but over time, that's kind of, uh, faded a little bit as she's gotten a little closer to retirement. She's down now working to two and a half days or so a week. Uh, and a lot of time works remote. So early on, Sean, to answer your question more directly, it, it was 
to become a leader in that organization. So at the time, to give you some perspective, it was the agency was fifteen million in premium and had about uh, twelve to fourteen employees. And so for me, coming from the captive world, I thought I knew insurance. <laughs> and that's that's funny for anybody who is, who's made the jump from captive to independent. I knew the captive world really well, uh, where we had one carrier, one download, you know, one set of financials, and here we have thirty downloads, and 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 it's you know it's it's a mess uh, compared Tax to the facts. captive world. So for me, Sean, the first the first twelve months was just learning and watching. So I knew I had to build relationships with the team. They were what was going to carry my vision forward. And so a lot of it was just sitting knee to knee, toe to toe with them, getting to know them, figuring out who they were as people first. And then I wanted to see every single process and procedure in the agency. I wanted, I didn't want to necessarily know what button, button to poke or, or where to go, what the password was to get in here, but I needed to know how every single thing worked because my my plan was to modernize the agency from day one and 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 by modernizing the agency I knew I'd be able to propel it into the future and and grow it exponentially. And so that's that's really what leading looked like for me essentially uh, at the very beginning was just just building relationships with my team and watching and learning and really just taking taking everything in. So that was that was my commitment to them also that I'm not going to change a thing for a year. And I think that kind of took them by surprise that I wasn't some young gun hotshot that, you know, thought I was the bee's knees coming in to change everything. I just wanted to learn. And then by learning, what that did is by building those relationships with the team and learning. So I automatically built, you know, that they, they understood my character and I built competence. I demonstrated my competence with them. They knew I knew what I was talking about. They knew I cared about them. They knew I wasn't going to do something detrimental to them personally and certainly to the to the clients and to the agency. And so that's that's what uh, leading looked like for me was just a lot of watching and 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 getting to know my team. So if you could see just the the, the reaction on my face because I'm just trying to process all because this is not where I thought this podcast would go, but I'm so excited it's going yeah. this way. <laughs> so at 13 months, I'm in the process of making my fourth offer. Okay. And if you told me that 14 months ago, I would have laughed at you probably. The first three were out of the opportunity was out of just telling people I was interested in, in, in acquiring. Yeah. And what I want, I guess I want to go back a little bit because I, you hear a lot of people, especially with all the M&A and the conglomerates out there and all of this, that all oh, people are just going to buy out everybody and there's not the opportunity. But all of the opportunities, even the one that I'm currently working on, are small family shops, you know, what what would be defined as a small family shop where they're worried about their people. They've had the, the history, whether it's second, third generation or whatever it is, but they need to find that next person. They need to find that next Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. When you were making those calls and you spoke to Miss Grimes at the time, what was that conversation for you to differentiate yourself from those conglomerates they were talking to or whatever? So really, the I think the way that I differentiated myself was – I tried to put myself in their shoes. So I knew at the time, so I'd done my, I did my research. Uh, while it was a cold call, I spent, you know, a good amount of time figuring out, you know, who, who owned the business, what the person was like, and trying to build a, a profile of that person in my mind, what, what might attract them to me. Um, 
and so the conversation with Mariana, she said, you know, she kind of, to be honest with you, pushed me aside a little bit at first. And she'll tell you to this day that Ryan's one of the most persistent people she knows because it took several phone calls. It was, Hey, we're, we're in the process. We don't really know what it looks like. You know, maybe, maybe call us back in a couple of weeks. Well, a couple of weeks I'd call him back and she'd say, well, yeah, you know, maybe we're talking to some other companies right now and, and they've got a lot of money. Um, and I said, so my, understanding or trying to understand what would be important to them. The the name of the business, the history, the legacy, right? That, uh, that Grimes insurance is in this community. Cause at that time it'd been in, it'd uh, been in existence for 70 years or almost 70 years. Uh, so I knew that had something to do with her motivation of protecting that. And so, uh, as I just continued to follow up, uh, she granted me an opportunity to go to lunch with her. Uh, and so I went to lunch with her and just said, you know, I think sometimes in sales, we have a tendency to talk too much and not ask questions and then just shut up. Uh, and I feel like in sales, I'm pretty good about asking questions and then just letting them talk. So my questions were things like, why are you selling the agency? You know, and, and so she'd tell me about her, her partner's health concerns and things like that. And, and then it was questions like, so I'm guessing you're talking to some, you told me large conglomerates. And so I guessed a couple of names and she nodded and I said, so let me ask you, why haven't you sold to them yet? I'm sure they got a lot of money. And so her, her answers were right in line with what I predicted. Well, we haven't sold yet cause we're, we're concerned about our team. We, our team is family. We're concerned and we already know that what they're wanting to do is rename this and rebrand it from Grimes insurance to whatever. And they're going to fire half of our team. They're going to move it to Dallas, which is about five hours away. And the Grimes name is not going to be around in 10 years. How's that, how's that make you feel? Well, it frustrates me because my dad has built this thing from the ground up, right? And so how I differentiated myself is trying to solve her problems for, her, which the other company was only solving one problem, right? Money. And I felt like I had the solution to all the other problems. And so I told her, I said, Hey, here's my background. I've been with state farm for at that time, 16, 17 years. And, and I live here. I go to work here. I go to my kids, go to school here. I go to church here. I'm not going anywhere. So I am the solution to all of your problems. So I want to run this thing just like you do. I want to maintain the name because quite frankly, I'd be crazy to change the name. It's been here for 70 years. It's the largest independent agency in West Texas. I'd be crazy to change the name. You know, I, I want to get to know your team. I have zero desire or motivation to, to let any of them go, to fire any of them. Quite frankly, they all know more than I do about being an independent agent. So why would I want to let them go? So the more and more we got to know each other and I tried helping her understand that I was, I was the solution to the problems, the more and more she realized that I was the solution to the problem. And she'll tell you to this day, if she were here on this podcast, uh, Sean, she would tell you, or, or uh, Steven, she would tell you, uh, she left a couple of million dollars on the table by selling to me, but it's the best decision she made. The timing of this, Stephen. I'll let you just take over the rest of this <laughs> yeah, podcast because no. this is your. This is literally uh, what you're going through. <laughs> yeah, it, it, I'm going through something very similar right now, and it's. Uh, I mean, it's the timing of it's uh, funny. So, so uh, you mentioned Stephen that you're in the process. Uh, I have two more. Uh, actually, one is closing on July 30th. Today's the 29th, so it's closing in two or three more days. 
and then I have another one uh, that's closing uh, October 1st, and that one is another large agency, and it's same story. It's they didn't know who to sell to. It's family agency. We don't want it to be destroyed. We, so I, I really do think to your point, Stephen, there's a lot of independent insurance agencies in the next 10 years that are going to be in the process of trying to figure out what the next step is for them. They don't have any children or, or family that want to take over the agency and they don't want to sell it to, you know, XYZ M&A company because they're going to do just what we just talked about. So I think mm. there's there's opportunities out there if you're the right fit and if you can solve the problems that the agency owner has now, which in a lot of cases are going to be those same problems we just identified. I think that's the key, solve the problems. I mean, just like you kind of mocked your lunch there, that, I mean, you're just pouring it out of her of, of, of what she needed at the time and then giving her what she needed. And that's right there why you, yeah. you got the deal and yeah. she says it was a great decision. Yeah. So the, the worst mistake I made, and uh, maybe you guys can learn from this. The worst mistake we made is after we got to the point where she said, yeah, I'll, I'll entertain an offer from you. And so I went back and, and I put some numbers together and I just, look, guys, I had no idea what independent insurance agencies were worth. So I gave her an offer about $2 million less than what I actually paid for the agency. And uh, <laughs> she, uh, she just handed <laughs> the paper anchor. right back to me. You know, I was in my sales pitch and here's what I'm going to bring to the table and here, 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 and here's the price. And she just handed it back to me and she said, here's the price I need. Here's the amount of money I need. And I said, I can do that. And then the question was, in her mind, she's like, well, where are you going to come up with that money? And my response was, mm. I don't know, but I'll find it. <laughs> so <laughs> the mistake that. there was not asking her how much she wanted for the agency and trying to tell mm. her what I thought it was worth. Because she already knew in her mind, she'd had it valued, uh, you know, and she had an idea that it was worth, you know, x x multiples or or whatnot. And so that was a mistake that I learned from that I've not I've not repeated again. Was just telling him what it's worth. And that even more t shows the value that you had on top of that. I mean, it would have been so easy for her to say, "Oh no, sorry, we're not interested in that lo that low." See you later, Ryan. Yeah. But it shows even yeah. even more of the value that you had now. Not, you don't have to get into detail, but I'm just curious for people, like you said, I'm going to find the money, you know, people that are presented an opportunity mm. and I'll use myself as an example, 13 months into starting my own scratch agency. I don't have all the money in the bank sure. to be able to do with these opportunities, but there's ways to figure it out. I mean, what, what creative ways were you thinking or did you use to make it happen? So I did, uh, I did a couple of things. So, uh, I went to a, a financial institution that you guys would probably all know if I said their name, uh, but it, they, Historically, they finance a lot of independent insurance agencies, and if somebody goes on the website, they'll they'll figure out who who it is. But there's there's a handful of them out there, and so I knew I did not want to go to a local bank. As good as local banks are, and as much as I try to go local, I knew that this was a specialty deal, and on paper, this agency is not worth what I agreed to pay for it. Uh, so somebody was going to have to know this industry really well to to finance it, and so that's why I went straight to them. Uh, so it was, it was a, a uh, 80, 20 deal. Um, so, um, I had to come up with a million dollars cash, which I did not have, uh, and as most people don't have. Uh, and so what I did is I went to the bank, you know, I'd mentioned earlier in the podcast that I had a pretty sizable real estate portfolio. So I went to the bank and refinanced a couple of really large properties I had, and I pulled out a significant amount of money. Uh, from those basically just to cash out refi. 
on some of those properties. So that, that gave me a, a, a big chunk of that money, probably 60, 70% of that. And then I went to, I went to an individual that I know that had some money and said, Hey, here's, here's the skinny. Um, oh, and then I had some cash too in, in savings and whatnot. <clears throat> so I was able to bridge the majority of the gap, went to an individual that I knew had some cash and said, Hey, I've got an opportunity for you to invest in a short term deal, 24 month deal. So I'm going to buy this thing. You'll be a silent partner. You'll have no voting rights, no nothing. Uh, he, I, I need 200 grand and here's what you'll get in exchange for that 200 grand. And he was like, deal, that's a no brainer. So I was, uh, and, and after two years, then the, the deal was that I bought him out. Um, so he didn't really know anything about insurance, didn't have any insurance knowledge. He, he was just, uh, an angel investor really, uh, for 200 grand and got a chunk of the business and, and made, made a good amount of money in a two year period of time on that. So that's, that's how I did it. Wow. So the, that's awesome. So just, just for people out there that might not know, it's funny, Stephen and I were talking about this uh, a couple of weeks back, uh, maybe <laughs> even yesterday, who knows. But the so the bank, if you call a bank that specializes with, you know, insurance agency purchases specifically, do you, in your opinion, do you think they're like one of the best places to go to actually like no, value? No, the their valuations are horrific. No. So uh, value, for valuations... Okay. Uh, I, I have a, there's two places I would go now. And I did not know these people then. And so, uh, so part of the process to your, maybe to your question, Sean, as part of the process of doing this is the bank will evaluate the, the business's worth. They sub it out. So you, as part of your closing cost, gotcha. you pay that. And I want to say it was like $600, but it was just part of the closing cost of the deal. Just like if you were buying a house, the bank's mm -hmm. going to have it appraised, right? Same concept. Um, so they, they had an appraiser. Gotcha. Um, so they, they appraised, you know, coincidentally enough, they appraised the book of business or they valued it exactly what I paid for it, which I knew meant I was getting a good deal <laughs> if they appraised it for right what I was paying for it. Cause that, that, you know, they're never going to put their license on the line and, and appraise it too high. So that's, that's what they did. Um, now for me personally, if I was buying an agency again, uh, and so what I did on these other two ones that I have is I reached out to, uh, there's RD advisors. Uh, Don and Roe Pulaski, who are fantastic. I use them personally. They're my yeah, fractional CFOs. Uh, and then there's another one who is a dear friend of mine, and I think she is fantastic. And I've had her do it on another agency, Carrie Wallace. Uh, and Carrie, uh, those names and phone numbers are pretty readily available, uh, both RD Advisors and, and Carrie Wallace. Yeah. So both of them will do full-blown-out appraisers appraisals. And so that will give you an idea of what, what the business, uh, what you should pay for it, uh, in terms of the max amount that you should pay for it. But at the end of the day, that's, it's just like buying a house, right? You can go and hire an appraiser and an appraiser says the house is worth $200,000. Well, it's really only worth what you're willing to pay for it. Right. So, um, that's, that's kind of where, uh, where that goes to, but, uh, yeah, good question. Yeah. Now, so first, tw uh, first 12 months, you're learning, you're learning everything. You've got a team. I think you yeah, said what, 12, 12 people? maybe, maybe as many as 14 that, that, uh, when I first bought it. Okay. So let's start walking through what it looked like of now Ryan wants mm -hmm. to make this change. And we've got these 12 people have been doing it the same way for how many years and how, how you were able to implement that successfully and kind of what that Yeah. So like. it started with, 
just little things like um, uh, like like compensation changes, right? Um, adding in some commission structure, some kind of uh, bonus type things to incentivize making sure that their targets and what I really wanted to achieve in the agency were in alignment. Because otherwise, if they're just all salary, it's completely out of a line. Uh, so it started with just little things like that and implementing, you know, quarterly social kind of things in the agency. So it started really slow because, uh, again, in my mind, I'm still building trust. I need them to trust me. And when I uh, when I pull the trigger and make a big change, I need them to follow me and have confidence in me. Uh, so probably the first big change was implementing a CRM. There was no CRM. there. We had agents, uh, excuse me, AMS 360. Uh, and they were using AMS 360, but probably just uh, a very small portion of uh, the services that are available there. Uh, so that was probably the biggest first uh, biggest change was implementing a CRM and then teaching, you know, 15 people how to use this. And these 15 people were so used to, so true story, when, when I first bought the agency, when somebody would call into the office they would talk to the receptionist. The receptionist would transfer them to somebody taking inbound quote information, not license, just just a information gather. They had a Word document. They would write on a Word document. Then they would put it in a color folder and walk it to a producer. And, and everybody in the office had their own individual color of folder. Mine was blue. So they would walk it to that producer put it on their desk. That producer would open it up. They would type everything into easy links, generate the quote, call the client back. If, if the client wanted to do it, they would send out the apps and do all those things. Then they would walk the folder over to somebody else to issue the policy. Then that person would issue it. Then they'd walk it over. So it was like a CRM system without the technology, right? Uh, and so implementing a technology yeah. uh, CRM system and that tech that associated with that, that basically did that without the walking from desk to desk was the biggest change. Um, and, and it was... As you might imagine, it was a little disruptive at first, but again, back to that trust piece, that trust was there. And so almost every day I came into the office, I was like, Hey, we're going to figure this out. Just give me a little grace. We're going to figure this out. I promise. Uh, and they were so loyal to customers and to the brand that, you know, their frustration wasn't in the technology. Their frustration was that we're, we're not able to help clients in the way that they wanted to help clients. And, and so I, that, that's a good thing, right? So those those were the the first kind of big changes, and then it was adding automation onto that, and then it was uh, uh, a voice over IP phone that they could, you know, they didn't need an actual phone on their desk anymore, and then it was going from desktop computers to laptops, which enabled us the flexibility to work flex schedules. And hey, guess what? You don't have to help clients from just your desk. You can help clients from your kitchen table or from their kitchen table. Um, so those were some of the big changes that we look at now and we, we chuckle and say, well, those, those aren't really all that significant, but for an agency that, that didn't have any of that, it was, it was, they were massive changes. Oh, for sure. And now that was just 2017, uh, 2019. Yeah. 2019. Yeah. yeah so four and a half years ago. ago. Now let's flip the coin on that conversation for the changes for you. I mean, like you said, you, you yeah. came in and thought you knew insurance with your state farm background, and then you're learning all these different things about an independent. I mean, how were you able to digest that 
as the now the new owner and then be able to lead and give it out to the team what that that yeah. is new for them as well. So I, I think the uh the the biggest learning I had initially Stephen was uh uh just a a moment of silence and gratitude for how easy I had it as a captive agent. <laughs> <laughs> and a deep appreciation for how easy uh, State Farm made it to to transact business. You know, they they basically did everything for you, and here we do everything. Um, and uh, so there there was that piece, but a lot of it was just um, just learning. I mean, the the word download is a foreign term on the captive side. I, I don't know if you guys had have worked in the captive space, but I was like, what what's a download? What's that mean? So it was learning the terminology and learning yeah. how things interact. And then like, how in the world? So literally they had an Excel spreadsheet that they kept on their desk with 35 carriers and their login IDs and their passwords so they could manage them. And I'm like, well, why do you need all these different passwords? Well, every company you have to log in. I'm like, what? You can't just do it all on your computer. Like you got to go to every website. That that seems redundant and, and semi-ridiculous. Uh, so it was just learning how how inefficient this side of the insurance space is, to be quite honest with you, because the independent world is inefficient to a large degree, but technology has continued to advance and advance and help us to become more efficient. Right. So it was, then it was learning because in the captive world. We don't, yeah. we don't, we didn't have the ability to have all this technology. I didn't even know what Zapier was. Can you, it's, that's kind of it on the cap. Never even heard of it. Why though? Why on the captive world would you ever need Zapier? Because the carrier does everything for you. So, uh, you know, I thought I understood agency management systems right. and yep. CRMs and, and so somebody, uh, a, a friend of mine that I'd gotten to know, uh, over time, one time we were in a conversation, this is probably 2020 or 2021. And he used the term tech stack. And I said, whoa, whoa, whoa you got to stop for a second. What is tech stack? What, what are you talking about? And he was like, oh my gosh, you don't know what tech stack is. I'm like, I don't have a clue. I've never heard that term before. So that's the amount of learning that I've had to do in the last four and a half years is learning, you know, all this technology, we're flooded with it now. And and now I feel like I'm I'm pretty savvy in, in all that stuff uh, and have a really good working knowledge and, and understanding and know a lot of the owners of those uh, these tech companies. But uh, uh, just learning about all the technology and and how to implement it, what tech is actually going to be helpful and beneficial for us, uh, what tech just is sexy and nice but doesn't really help us get anywhere uh, any faster or more efficient. Uh, so it's it's been a learning process from me uh, from start to finish, really, and still still learning a lot every single day. Yeah, the tech stack thing is super interesting. Steven and I were talking about this earlier today, actually, how I won't mention any names, but I mean, yeah, you have your, we're just talking about having tabs open, right? You have your email open, your calendar, your, you know, ring central, then you have your, you know, your AMS, your CRM, then maybe you have one of these services that you use to take in information, then maybe <laughs> you have another thing to collect supplemental apps, then you have another, and it's just like, you yeah. know, and not all of them are, you know, some of them are integrated, some aren't, but I mean, you could have a tech stack with 50 different tabs and windows yeah. open. And is that really making the process yeah. more efficient yeah. or are you now just confusing things even more, you know? And I find that to be a very interesting piece. It's, it's hard 
when you're the one that makes that decision to really figure out, yeah, you know, because you can't really even take someone's advice on it fully because everyone's situation and niche is different, right? Yeah. Everyone's someone might be doing fully commercial, someone might be doing fully personal. So it's like trying to find out what you specialize in, what you're good at, and what fits your process specifically. And I find that like a very interesting, yeah. Like everyone's tech stack, yeah, yeah. I think it should be one hundred percent different, kind of different depending on and, what and you, you know. Do, to you know be know honest I mean? with you, Sean, I, I was pretty overwhelmed at the start of it to to hear and learn all the available pieces of technology and services that were available to us. It's overwhelming when when you have ten different companies that all do the same thing, yeah. and and everyone is a little bit different. Definitely. So here's the model that I've adopted. <laughs> And uh, and at this point, I'm convinced yep. it's the right model uh, to uh, to guide yourself by. Um, unless you guys have something better, I'm 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 all ears. But I I think uh, from a technology standpoint, because it can be overwhelming and there's so many different options out there, you've got to look at it from the customer's perspective. Does this tech this piece of technology provide a better value for the customer? And if it doesn't, I don't need it. Now, the other piece of that is, is it going to make my team's life easier? And is it going to make their job easier and allow them to increase productivity? So that, that's kind of the two part for me. Is it going to help my customer journey or my customer experience to be better? And number two, is it also going to or will it instead help my, my team to be more efficient uh, and, and productive? And if that's the case, then I'm all in. But it's got to meet those two criteria for me, um, and, and that's kind of how I've I've just operated for the last four years or so is uh, under that uh, that mantra. It's got to help the client, and it's got to help my team. I like that. Yeah, I love yeah, that. Yeah, certainly. And because and if it's so helping part of that team, is, it's helping the client is just being able to scale, right? So I had to take this quoting model that was taking us two and a half hours to do a quote. And how do I how do I drastically reduce that so I can just cram more quotes in to be able to to scale even faster? So I knew there's there, there's only so many hours in the day, right? So will technology help help increase our capacity in a day and at the same time improve the customer's journey? Then then I'm all I'm on board. Yeah, Stephen, that's what we talked about with uh, Brett Young. Yeah. Remember he he was basically telling us how he grew his agency. I, I, I'm going to totally butcher the numbers right now, but it was somebody, you know, they grew it to 40 plus million and a majority of it was personal. And when he said personal, I was like, personal, like, oh, how did, how did you do that? And he kind of told me just exactly what you said, Ryan, how they built out a process and a way they took in yeah. information that made it a lot easier for them to scale quicker. And I found that to be very interesting because on the commercial side, you know, if you don't have a specific niche, it could be very hard to do that because yeah. to quote a plumber is different than quoting an electrician, which is different than quoting a restaurant. And they all different have supplementals and all different intake forms. Yeah. Yeah. So I found that whole thought process like super interesting. And that's probably why people grow fast. Yeah, same process. Niches because it's, it's repeatable every single time. You know, it's the time. same process every time. So that's, you know, that's really, uh, so if, yep. you, if you look at it too, from that, that side, Sean, that if it's if it's helping the customer and making the customer's experience better and it's also doing that for your team and and improving their capacity then really yeah. what you're building is a product right your product is your customer mm -hmm. experience and your team members experience and then you've got not only a product to be able to differentiate yourself in the market to to 
prospective yeah. clients, but then you also have a product to compete with to hire and train and develop new employees, right? So the last uh, handful of hires, Very I've true. gone to captive agents and said, this is literally my sales pitch. You know, I told you I ask questions and then shut up. This is my sales pitch. What do you hate about your job? And what do you think they say? I hate servicing. I hate chasing applications. I hate chasing payments. <laughs> I hate quoting. Great. Join Grimes Insurance. You don't do any of that with us. That's my product. That's my product. Mm, I love that. So I love that, making it a product. Now, I, 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 I want to dive in more of, yeah. of what Grimes Insurance is today, but I, I have a question for you before we before we do that. So you, 2019 is when you purchased uh, the agency. How I many go Google reviews look, did Grimes was, Insurance uh, have in 2019? So 20. 20. Yeah. Sub 50. And uh, now you're sitting at well, 538. Well, right? it's Talk about to us the, about that. So you wow. build this product. You build the customer experience. Uh, so my, my take on Google reviews is is maybe just a little bit different than, than other people's. Mine is not to build SEO and supplement SEO and all those things. While that's an ancillary benefit, that's not why I do it. Why I do it is because we built this product and I've poured my blood, sweat, and tears and, and a lot of money into building this product, our process and our customer journey. And I feel like I believe in my heart why customers would want to choose us. Google reviews tell me if I'm right and how much they value the process we built. So if you, Stephen, if you were to read through those 530 whatever, whatever Google reviews, uh, you'd see a couple of things. You'd see a response to every single one of them because I personally respond to everyone. I want to know what people are saying. I want to know what they value. And, and so that I can, I can build upon that, right? If we didn't get something right, we're, we're going to fix it. Uh, so you'll see, uh, you'll see responses on every single one of those and almost every single one of those you'll talk about, they'll talk about the level of professionalism, how Grimes is so responsive. They get back to you quickly. They answer their phone every time they're, uh, they, they're fast. So those are the things that's, and that's not always in alignment with what I hope customers would value that we provide. So that's good feedback that that's what they value. And so we just try to accentuate exactly what it is that they they place a value on, which every almost every single review is uh, professionalism, speed of getting back to them or returning their their calls or their emails, uh, professionalism, accuracy, and uh, and time. That's that's what it all comes down to. So that's that's why we do it. And then of course we've automated it, right? I think everybody that's uh uh that's experiencing growth in the market uh has adopted uh some form of technology and automation and and so we've just automated the process uh and that's now are there so it, are there specific I, i'm just curious with the, that number is there a specific key that you think for your automation because i've hit 100 i think i'm at 108 right now in mm -hmm. a year with just me and I've got an automated process, yeah. but I would say 80 of them are just me asking, you know, and I think it works different for everybody, but so our, I'm curious kind of what your process automated process is, all on is new to business. get a good return on uh, that. So we, we're fortunate because of the, the denominator of, of our agency is, is size. So we, we get a lot of referrals and we write a lot of business, uh, to give you a, an idea, um, a, a slow month for us is about a half a million in new business production. Uh, and our target 
is uh is about 800 well 750,000 but uh, most months like this month will clear 725,000 in new business so you can imagine the number of customers that involves that we're targeting to go after those reviews so uh, that that certainly helps uh, with the the large number of of new clients that we're writing uh, that we're going after so the automation target Stephen is after new business is written uh, I'd have to go back into, so we use agency zoom as our CRM, uh, and that does all that for us. Uh, but it's a handful of days after the policy issues. Uh, we, we, uh, the automation and honestly, I set it up about a year ago. I don't remember exactly what it says. Um, but it's just, you know, Hey, thank you for doing business with Grimes insurance. If you've appreciated the service you've, you've received, we would love your feedback. We put a lot of time and energy into creating a really seam, streamlined process for you. Uh, please let us know how we did. So a new business, we asked twice, um, on personal lines and commercial, we asked twice in a pretty short period of time. We want to strike where the iron's hot. Uh, and then we also, uh, the automation is set up where on certain service transactions. So if they're adding a vehicle, we'll ask them then right after they've, uh, a claim has been closed out. Uh, we ask them there. So we're asking two at two different places on, uh, on new or excuse me on existing clients and then just one one place right after we write them a brand new client we asked two times within the first probably 20 days 15 to 20 days and it's it's i'm i'm not an automation or a or a content expert i wrote it um so if if i can do it anybody can do it i promise you <laughs> and and quite honestly probably stole some of it from from friends uh, across the country that had a good sentence here, a good paragraph here. Yeah. I hear you on that. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Ryan, and yeah. in respect to your time, we're going to look to wrap this up, but we're definitely going to have to do a part two on this because there was so much good stuff and so much more uh, that I want to dive into. But uh, we, we ask everybody on this podcast, the same last question, and I'm excited to see uh, your response. We go back right now to 2002 when you're just getting started. What would you do differently if that was tomorrow? If tomorrow morning you woke up and you had to start from scratch, what would you do differently? <laughs> no, and the last guest said run the I, other I way and you will, can't run the I'll other way. I'll tell you this. So I'm 43 years old. Industry. I'll be 44 later this year. Um, yeah, so I've been in the business for you know a little over 20 years. And I would tell you I, I would not run the other way. This business has changed my life. Um, you know, my, both my parents have passed. My, uh, my dad was a mill worker and worked in the woods, uh, as a timber faller. My mom was a part-time college or excuse me, part-time, uh, special ed, uh, kind of assistant teacher. Uh, so I, I, I don't come from great means. Uh, I don't have insurance in my family or my blood. Uh, I, I would have never imagined uh, in my wildest dreams, uh, that I'd be in a career and, and be doing the things that I'm doing now. Uh, so I definitely would not run the other way. This has been an, uh, an absolutely amazing journey for me. Uh, and one that I feel like, uh, I still have a long, long, uh, runway left on. Uh, I think what I would do, Stephen, uh, it's a good question. I think I'd go faster. I, I think I under mm -hmm. underestimated my potential when I was 22 years old or however old I was then. I underestimated my potential and I underestimated the the value of a specific plan. I would have planned better and I would have run faster and tried to get here faster uh, than, than I did. 
Man, I don't know. I don't know if that's a great answer or not, but that's that's what I would tell you. I would do is I'd I'd get here a lot faster. I love that answer. That is a great answer. I loved it. That great that, way to end it. That is a great answer, especially for our listeners yeah. who may be in that scratch journey right now, starting this by themselves in their own head. Keep going, run faster. Ryan, thank you again very much for taking the time. Uh, pitch the podcast. Tell people yeah, where they so can get in touch with you or just follow along your journey. Leaders podcast. Uh, for people want to hear uh, you can more find it anywhere Reynolds. you listen to podcasts. Uh, would uh, love to have you check that out. Uh, personally, I'm on the uh, my primary source of uh, social media is Instagram. It's uh, Ryan. I think it's Ryan Reynolds seven nine or Ryan J Reynolds seven nine uh, is my uh, Instagram handle. Uh, try to put out some content. It's not insurance specific at all because I don't feel like insurance defines who I am. It's just, uh, happens to be what I do. Uh, so a lot of my content that I try to put out is just, uh, uh, things I've learned along my, my journey. Love it. Love it. Well, thank you very much for taking the time to join us, everybody. That is another episode of the Scratch Agency Podcast. Thanks for joining us today. Do us a favor, like the show, share the show, and subscribe. Most importantly, remember to dig down deep, believe in yourself, and own your own future. We'll see you next week. Take care.